Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One of your videos, you actually mentioned how you and this Sri Lanka girl were fighting for a Korean role. Oh my god. That was yeah. absolutely hilarious. So like, could you explain that again? Well, I'm not even Korean, but it was like <laughs> it was like an educational film. So like looking back now, I was like, it wasn't even that good, but I like really wanted it. And I was like imagining myself getting the Oscars and everything. And then so we had three rounds, and it was just to be like a kind of schoolgirl who got lost and got into a bit of trouble. The name was like it was a very Korean name. Um, and then at the very last round, it was me and her, and I told my mom, I was like, okay, so I've got this because even the parents' name are super Korean. I was like, they're not going to change it just because of like they're casting someone else. Really dumb of me. And then this other girl who was a Caucasian who was reading alongside me for another role and she kept forgetting her lines. She was like all over the place. She was older than me. So I think she just had like a lot more going on. And then none of us got the role. And then they offered me like a tiny bit part and it was just like a one-day shoot and I got there. And I was like, who's this character? Because the character name changed and she walked out and I was like, who are you? (laughs) Hello and welcome to this week's chat with Fleming. This week we are joined by a really good friend of the show, Miss Jenny Zhao. She was our first guest on the show and we got so much great feedback on her energy. We interviewed Jenny a while back right after she had just come back home to Melbourne after a stint in LA auditioning for TV pilots and movies. When it comes to breaking the Asian mould, Jenny is that girl. Right after graduating high school, Jenny did one semester of law school before deciding that she wanted to go to Shanghai to pursue acting school. She made the most of her time there and broke into China's entertainment industry. She was a host of popular TV shows including a kids music show, had her own daily morning radio breakfast show and even had roles in several Netflix series. In this chat we discussed about her reasons behind moving to China to pursue her career and how much the entertainment industry in Australia has changed for aspiring Asian performers. We hope you enjoy this chat with Jenny. Thanks for joining us, Jenny. Oh my gosh, that makes Welcome. me so <laughs> I was like, who are they talking about? What, what do you, how do you feel after hearing that, kind of in, being introduced that way? Well, like, kind of like an imposter. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I've kind of done all that stuff, but then like, not as cool as you made it sound. Yeah. No, you're definitely cool. Like, we've been following you for a while yeah. now. And Thank so we're like, so we need much. to have Jenny on the show. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to start, you know, the interview with every, like the same question we ask every guest. So mm-hmm. what are you listening to or watching or listening to or reading i just finished watching well tv shows i just finished watching working moms which has like nothing to do (gasps) with me but i love it the canadian comedy i think i just get canadian comedy more than american because it's a bit more like goofy yeah and then like i'm not a mom and i'm not pregnant but it just relates so hard Mm, what's the show about for people who haven't seen it so it's like a bunch of four friends and they go to like a baby care kind of area it's like a preschool thing and then they all talk about their kids like how their boobs are sagging what their vaginas are like after giving birth and like trying to maintain a job but also like pick up your kid from daycare and the boss is like do you want your career or do you want to be a mom so this is um the the show where she's like in the toilet like trying to like pump, pump yeah, yeah, pump yeah, yeah. And, and it's just got that sound and someone comes in they're like here's your uh, co- contract is that the one with um the lady with the weird lip yes, yes. That's <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah we're, we're actually watching that <laughs> they make a joke on it in the show as well uh, yeah. I, I couldn't get past the first episode because all i could think was i just kept staring at her lip but she looks like she's always smiling because that it's is always true up, yeah. oh you remember i linked you last night with the tiktok trend at the moment where people on tiktok are gluing their, their lips, lips. Up. 
Like it actual looks, glue? Yes, yeah, so they're actually gluing their lips up. So it looks like maybe that's yeah. where she got it from. <laughs> oh, why they yeah. TikTok is so weird. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah, we wanted to make your show because you know, obviously, we think you're very inspiring. You're representing you. Asian people in the media. Um. So you know, you were born in Melbourne. So where were you raised in Melbourne and? Um, so kind of a little bit all over Melbourne. My parents really liked moving around. So I think I was born in Clayton, grew up in South Melbourne, then was in Sunshine for a bit, went to Rich, Fitzroy. Oh, Fitzroy, you moved around. Templestowe, then Q, and now I'm in, wait, I don't want to say where I live. Right? <laughs> now I'm somewhere on the east. Somewhere on the east. We'll edit it out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so like, what, what kind of child were you like? Were you always being like an entertainment like? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think even in kindergarten, they get you to, like, say what you want. And all the kids were like, I want to be a firefighter when I grow up. Or, like, I want to be a unicorn. And then I was just like, I want to be famous and make a lot of money. Oh, I love it. You're so direct. <laughs> it's, but it's so, like, Chinese parents because my parents were always like, you got to make money to live. Like, money makes this world go around. So when I was younger, I did, like, ballet, singing and stuff. And my mom actually enrolled me in acting because I was super shy. But I always wanted to be a singer. Back then, I wanted to be a singer. And... I don't know, but I was just really shy. So my mum forced me to go to acting school and kind of bring it out of me. Like, even when the teacher would do roll call and say my name, I wouldn't even respond because I was so shy. How did she know that you're, like, you're into acting? Well, actually, my parents are both quite artistic. My dad's a really good drawer and, like, he takes photography. He's actually a really good singer. My grandpa sings. My grandma dances. My mum almost actually became an actor, but she couldn't do it because, you know, you had to feed the family, had to do like work and stuff. So she wanted me to have these hobbies, but she didn't want me to have it as like a career. So right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause I was looking at your resume. It's quite extensive. Like you played the piano, you played the clarinet. Oh, wait, how did you find her resume? <laughs> <laughs> you just pretty much found it online. Yeah, well, like, yeah, just on the you also went to like an elite school as well. Oh yeah. So which is why it's like your mom and your parents gave you these tools, but it's quite traditional that they don't want us to act upon it. They were so traditional. Mm. Like, when I was a child, I was so busy. I had ballet class, piano class. They almost made me do violin, but, like, it would hurt my fingers. I was like, I can't do this. And they made me do clarinet. My fingers were too skinny and they wouldn't, like, fill up the holes. And then she was like, fine, do flute because that's so ladylike. But then I had tutor for every single subject and I had Chinese school on the weekends and then, like, English and math class after Chinese school. Well, people don't know it, but Asian moms are the original mom majors. <laughs> they are. They, they, sh- my mom is so Chris Jenner. <laughs> yeah. And do you remember, like, when you were young, do you, do you remember, like, enjoying going to do all those extracurricular activities? Um, I think the only class I really enjoyed doing was drawing. I actually used to really hate ballet class. I liked dance class, but I hated ballet because of all the classical music, and I'd find it really boring and keep yawning, and the teacher was like, Jenny, like, pay attention. I don't, I don't know. Anything else, I didn't really know. I wanted to do piano when I was younger, but then my mom would sit next to me and make me play, like, two to three hours a day. So then I started hating it and made me do, like, all the A and B grades, which just kills any sort of passion whatsoever. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's crazy. When was the turning point for your parents though? Because they, they wanted you to have these hobbies but yeah. not really pursue it. So when did they give you those blessings too? Um, when I was when I was probably in year 9 and 10, I started doing like short films for like VCA and Uni Melb students. And my mum would always drive me to the auditions. She'd drive me to shooting. It was like 5am in like the middle of nowhere and she'd always pick me up in the middle of the night. So she's always been supportive. Um, after high school, she was kind of like, you guys, you need to get into a good course. You need to get into a good uni and then you can do whatever you want afterwards. So then I got into law like they wanted me to. And then after a semester, I was like, who are we kidding here? I'm not going to graduate from this. I'm not going to become a lawyer because I'm too like 
whatever about everything and then she was like if you really want to be an actor then you should go back to China because at the time like six years ago in Australia it was really like abysmal to be an Asian acting mm. so then she was actually the one who kind of pushed me to go to China that's really good she's so um, open yeah. to you know like she's actually it, really good yeah because yeah. most parents like would want you to stay at uni like yeah, my yeah, parents yeah. were hard on like you know stay at uni and like yeah. make sure you finish it but your parents were like, okay, go and go to China. Like, we're going to let you go. Well, she was like, go for two years and then, like, come back and finish your degree. And I had deferred my degree. And then at the end of two years, I kind of got into radio. And then I was like, I'm not coming back anytime soon. But now I'm doing another degree to keep them happy. Are you are? What yeah, are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing, like, some distance ed online degree. It's like Bachelor of International Relations. My dad is like, my daughter's doing this amazing degree. <laughs> and, and are you doing it just to make, just to, like, keep them, you know, like, I guess, like, secure? It like... was kind of like a lack of judgment. I was like, I need to do something. And then I enrolled. And then I actually got in. But you can complete it over the course of eight years. I'm just going to slowly do it in the background. It gives, you, <laughs> gives me something to do in the yeah. downtime. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, you were, in VCE, you were doing... You're also doing VC subjects, but you're also doing, like, acting school on the side. Yeah, well, that acting class was kind of part of VC, so it's called, like, a VET course. So there were all the, like, things that a traditional VC wouldn't offer. So you'd have, like, kind of hairdressing and, like, cooking and acting and stuff as well. So I did that and it actually added to your VC score. So then my mum was kind of, like, okay with that as well. And did you feel a bit of, like, pressure, like, you know, because a bunch of your friends would have been doing, like, biochemistry I actually like, did chem. Did you wasn't actually very good at it. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't very good at it. Um, I did like methods and stuff as well. So I did like half Asian and then the rest were mm-hmm. like not very Asian. Yeah. Yeah. Half Asian, half white subjects. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you also mentioned that when you were in Australia, you were also doing a bit of film and acting as well. Yeah. How was that like? Is it very different from where you were in China compared to Australia or? I mean, it's very different now as well. Like five years ago, I don't know if I just had like a really average agent. Don't want to like bash on her, but it's just... <laughs> Um, <laughs> is she still your agent now? No, no, no. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can speak freely though. <laughs> I would get like three auditions a year. It'll be stuff for like Dance Academy and like Make a Mermaid. So it was all good stuff. Like by the time I was leaving, they were kind of looking into more Asians. But it'll be like a very general like, oh, it's okay. We'll start seeing everyone. But they'll still cast like a blonde hair person. But I remember in high school when I was applying for things, even for short films, it was like Caucasian, blue eyes, blonde hair. Like they would actually say Caucasian. Now like auditions things they rarely ever say like Caucasians only they would say like all ethnicities are welcome which doesn't mean they're gonna cast an ethnic person but at least you get to audition that's mm. true and I was, one of your videos you actually mentioned how you and this Sri Lanka girl were fighting for a Korean role oh my god, that gosh, was yeah. absolutely hilarious like you, could you explain that again well I'm not even Korean but it was like <laughs> it was like an educational film so like looking back now it's like it wasn't even that good but I like really wanted it and I was like imagining myself getting the Oscars and everything and then so we had three rounds and it was just to be like a kind of schoolgirl who got lost and got into a bit of trouble the name was like it was a very Korean name um, and then at the very last round, it was me and her, and I told my mom, I was like, okay, so I've got this, because even the parents' name are super Korean. I was like, they're not going to change it just because of, like, they're casting someone else. Really dumb of me. And then this other girl who was a Caucasian who was reading alongside me for another role, and she kept forgetting her lines. She was, like, all over the place. She was older than me, so I think she just had, like, a lot more going on. And then none of us got the role. And then they offered me, like, a tiny bit part, and it was just, like, a one-day shoot, and I got there. And I was like, who's this character? Because the character name changed. And she walked out and I was like, who are you? <laughs> and then the parents came out and they were white as well. And I was like, what? No, so they changed pretty much the whole race. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. So I was kind of like, it wasn't because we were really, really bad. It, I guess she was like, I don't know. 
what the directors had in mind or she did something that kind of sparked their interest. Like, props to her for auditioning for one role and getting another one that was, like, bigger than her role, but, yeah. Wait, how do you find these auditions? Your agent finds them, right? Yeah, so when I was younger, if we didn't have an agent, there'd be websites like Star Now and stuff where you get, like, paid work and unpaid work. So you create your profile on there, email everyone. But when you have an agent, they can submit you on, on things like Showcast, which has, like, feature films and, like, big TV shows, whatever. And they could submit you and then they'll look through it and then they can ask you and invite you in for an audition or a self-tape. And when you get these, like, character profiles, like, you know, they're saying, like, oh, Asian character, whatever. Yeah. Is there a description of what that Asian character is like? Do you Is there, like, a did they typecast the Asian characters or...? Um, I actually just got one yesterday. Uh, it's for like some sort of indie feature film and they're like, she's Australian Asian, but she wants to be known more as Australian, very strict parents, but she's also like very determined and like rebellious as well. So I think everything is different. Sometimes they just want them to be Asian for the sake of it, but usually they'll lean to like Vietnamese Asian or like Korean Asian or Japanese Asian. Like I rarely ever see like they want a Chinese Asian. Yeah. Mm, what do you think that is? I don't know. Like, even when I was in LA, even if it was a Chinese role, a majority of the people auditioning were all Koreans and Japanese. But I think maybe, like, Western culture can't... It's either, like, they can't really tell the difference or I think perhaps don't want to be racist. No, you never you never leave the <laughs> No, never say that. No, I just think maybe Koreans and Japanese have a more Asian look that Western people imagine us Asians to look like. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I reckon, like, it's... To do with K-pop, to be honest, like, yeah. Because like, if you watch, if you see like American media, like, there's a lot of Korean Asian roles. Yeah. You don't, you hardly ever see, you know, like you said, Chinese Asian yeah. or like Malaysian Chinese or whatever. And and I don't know. Do you, I feel like it's something to do with K-pop? Like, maybe because they be. they'll be like, you know, we can only handle one race of. Asians yeah. at a time. And more exposure. And it's like how Chinese people say, like, oh, America only likes, like, ugly-looking Chinese people because they have that kind of image ingrained in their mind. Of course, they're not ugly, but Chinese people have a different definition of beauty where it's actually, like, more kind of, like, Korean beauty standards and they have, like, the tiny face and the big yeah. eyes, yeah. Mm. And so I, I read this in the, the script. I don't know if you read it, but <laughs> I shared the video with you last time. It was about <laughs> Thomas. I, was, if you, I don't know if you've seen the video, but um, in the 90s, neighbor, the neighbours, oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mrs. Lim... <laughs> Mrs. Mr. The 90s, Mrs. that dogs. was a wild time. Yeah, yeah. So did you find, like, did you want to move to China because there weren't any roles in, like, there's no jobs for Asians in, in Australian media? I actually never really imagined myself working or living in China. Like, I visited when I was younger, but obviously, even though I'm Chinese, there was still a cultural barrier. And I think just growing up in Australia and watching Australian shows and American shows, I always wanted to go to America. I always wanted to work in Western culture just because I watched that and I wanted to see myself in that. So taking the step and going to China was actually a very random step for me. But I'm really glad I did because it was nothing like I expected, but... Obviously, it made me grow a lot as a person as well, but it just showed me how much of a cultural barrier I still had when I went there. Like, I'm Chinese, but I really struggled when I went there. And what was it like when you moved there? Like, did you, was there, like, jobs flying through your door? No. So, like, I went there to study at Shanghai Theatre Academy. When I went there, I did Chinese for VCE, and I thought it was okay. I moved to Shanghai. Nobody spoke Shanghainese anymore because everyone was just from everywhere. And then I didn't even realise this, but there's, like, so many provinces part of China, and they all have, like, a kind of different accent. Like, people from Dongbei would have, like, a really different accent to people who are from Shanghai in the Mandarin. So, like, I could barely understand anyone. I couldn't even order a bowl of noodles. So, like, you know how much I like talking now? I was basically mute for the first year. 
yeah, I was there. I didn't know what was going on. I like didn't want to say anything because people are like, oh, you're Chinese. Like, why is your Chinese so rubbish? And I'm like, but I was born in Australia. They're like, you're not Australian. And they're like, Australians are white. And I was like, okay. Well, you have a bit of an identity crisis. Yes. And then some white person would be like, ni hao man. They're like, oh my God, you sound amazing. And I was like, seriously? So, so you moved to China. So... How and you did you did school that schooling? Yeah. How did you get your first you know radio gig at KFM? Um. So we had this class called Taizi, which is where you just learn like the Chinese language, how to say properly, and like memorize a lot of poems. And then a teacher from there, he actually I think he might have studied overseas before, so he kind of knew a bit of English and he was Shanghainese. So he actually had so much patience and kind of guided me more than the other teachers. And then in the morning, we would have morning exercise at like six a.m. every morning. And then there's also always a teacher who comes and kind of overlooks the thing, and he would always come to me and like practice just even sounds of manner and like like just over and over again. He would give me like a book to practice with and then he I think he used to work in radio so in Shanghai radio is all under SMG so like every radio station is all under that one corporation and then he knew that the two pop channels were opening up a new kind of western music channel and they were auditioning people and then we also have a presenting course at our school so they send a bunch of their students in which is his class and then he's like you should go anywhere because you know you can speak English and you know a lot about music and I was like I never really thought about going to radio so I accompanied one of his students and then the lady was like you should audition too and I was like okay and then I was actually about to leave China that year because I was really struggling re-enrolled in uni made an Instagram post about it and then yeah I was literally like in the hotel room before I was leaving and then they emailed me and they're like your job starts like next week and I was like okay so I guess I gotta stay was this this your second year at in Shanghai yes it was the end of the first year so I was like literally gonna go on the plane the next day and I got the email that night Oh, crap. Wow. And, and has the radio kind of opened any doors for you? For sure. I my Firstly, my Mandarin improved so much at the radio. We had like a three-month intensive internship at the start where we just had to keep recording things and actually learn how to be a presenter because I never had proper training and all the other kids were either graduated or professional radio people already. So they would just force me to speak Mandarin every day and then they were like, oh, well, if you don't know the word for Mandarin, say it in Shanghainese. If you don't know in Shanghainese, just say it in English. They, we just want 10 minutes of like uninterrupted audio from you. It doesn't matter what language. So that's kind of what birthed like my language switching. So you're, so you're allowed to switch between English and Mandarin? Kind of only me. Only but, you. I mean, other people can do it, but maybe they can't. I don't know. Are other listeners like or... Like, like, like people who only can understand Chinese or? Well, ours is a Shanghai station. I think we can tune in other places, but most of our listeners would be kind of 20 to 35, like working in PR marketing. So a lot of them were listening to American music, American culture, and they knew some English already. So I think it helped. And a lot of them were new Shanghainese as well. And was there a lot of expats tuning in? No, actually. So that's really? one thing I always push my radio to. I was like, you should market towards the expats because they're always listening to this Beijing station. They could be listening to us. And they're like, no, we want like local Shanghainese listeners. I was like, okay. Um, how many yeah. listeners did you, did you kind of broadcast to? I think at the peak, we had like... 67,000, maybe? This is like during a breakfast show? Yeah, breakfast show. I could just be pulling that out of my ass. I can't can't remember, but I remember seeing it on an app. So that wasn't an app, but I didn't have the actual like car radio things. So Mm. that was just on the app, yeah. And so how prepared for you? Because you did like a three-month intense like training. Yeah. On your first day, what was that feeling like? 
I went there and we got told off on the first day. Like people were really like intense over there and they're like, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? And I was like, oh my God. I was like, I want to go home. And everyone was all professional. But at the end of the internship, we had to be given jobs one by one. Only one person didn't make it. And some people went into like the producing route. Some people went into song choosing. I was actually the first person to be given their office space to be the host. And everyone was kind of like, what the fuck? Like she can't even speak Chinese. (laughs) Were some people in China a bit jealous that you came from an Australian background as well and that was a bit of your No, so I thought, this sounds really like up myself, but I thought people would find me more interesting because I was an ABC, but I found like when I first got there, there was a bit of backlash, like, oh, like you Australians, like you whitewashed Asians think you're like better than us. Like prime example, the dorm showers literally look like a scene from Saw, like it was just a pipe, (laughs) like 50 pipes. (laughs) And I was like, this is disgusting. I was like, I'm going into my bathers. Nobody look at me. Nobody like talk me. Don't touch me. And then they're like, oh, like you're so like princessy. Like, oh, do you all have like really nice showers in your dorms in Australia? And I was like, Yes, I was like, I don't have to look at 50 other naked people sharing, but kind of like stuff like that. Was it hard to make friends then? At the start, some people found me interesting, so it kind of became friends, but it was a more like a really surface-based friendship. But when you live with these girls and you see them seven days a week for like 300 days a year, you kind of have friendships. But I was more friends with someone in my dorm who wasn't part of my course, actually. Mm. Yeah. Do, you think, do you think the resentment comes from, because like I know in, in, in general, I'm not saying that you're a radio yeah. station, but like in general expats get paid more than local Chinese people. Yeah, for do, you sure. think, do you think that's where the resentment comes from? I actually never thought of that, but maybe. Like, you could be worse at your job than a local, but you'd get paid, like, triple. So I can see that resentment. Yeah, I actually never thought of that. Wow. Yeah, hmm. yeah well, we won't talk about your pay, because, like... <laughs> <laughs> I got paid like a local. Yeah, <laughs> like a local. Yeah. <laughs> so what are some, like amazing thing, opportunities you got to do? Because I know you've been to the Grammys, oh, yeah. right? That was the question. Sorry, I completely detoured. Um, no, so radio opened a lot of opportunities. I got to start hosting actual events. So Grammys was part of the first year and we did a live broadcast and I got chosen out of our radio team to go with another guy from the most popular Shanghai station to go to LA and cover it. It was a lot less glamorous than I thought. <gasps> so like we weren't actually at the Grammys to do the live broadcasting studios. It was like a two hour drive from the actual Grammys. So everyone else who came with us, they got to sit there and watch everything. And we had to pretend like we were right there. We're like, oh my God, we see them walking on stage right now. <laughs> but we were just watching the live stream. Live and I was in this like tiny room and there was like 10 rooms all together and someone from like Japan and like Korea were all like broadcasting at the same time. So what you had to like make, like commentate on, on the red carpet. Literally as just commentate, yeah. stream. <laughs> And I wasn't very good at it because the other guy did it every year. So he kind of knew what was happening. But I was kind of there just to tell him who's who because everyone was like, oh, these black people look the same. Like, which artist is it now? Because they play predominantly Chinese music. So it's really stressful because it's live. And when there's anything sensitive that comes on or like anything political that comes on, you have to switch it off straight away and start promoting random stuff at home on the radio. Yeah. Was it was a Delander station at least? Um, usually we have a three second delay for live, but for that one, I don't think we had, like, we didn't have a delay, but the station at home had a delay because we were on like a call connecting China and LA together. Yeah. Was there any, was anything sensitive that happened on during the Grammys that you had yeah. to... I remember that year there was like a video about sexual abuse or something and I was like zoned out because it was like a three hour thing and then the guy was like oh what's going on Jenny I was like oh my gosh and I was like switch 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 and then we were like oh what's coming up next I was like oh Taylor Swift was like amazing did you see her dress there's a a dump button right so you can dump the the last yeah yeah how it works yeah so they have to do it back at home though so we were like constantly on WeChat being like they're like what's happening why aren't you guys saying anything we're like we can't because there's this thing that we can't show at the moment yeah have you ever had to like cross to commercial oh 
I don't think in my show, but in someone else's show we had, but the morning show was really stressful because you never know who's going to call into the station. You never know what they're going to say. And to even do that whole three-second dump, like, there's so many buttons. Like, I'm glad I didn't have to do it because I probably would have, like, accidentally shut down the entire station. <laughs> and how did that lead into interviewing a big star like Kendall Jenner? Oh, yeah. So that opened up a lot of hosting jobs for me. So a lot of marketing and PR companies would find my WeChat or like some of the radio would give it to them and be like, we have this event coming and we have an international star and we need you to interview them and also do like a little bit of a translation. So for Shanghai, any event that kind of had like an American star coming, I would usually get the job. And for Kendall Jenner, it was with Adidas and I previously already worked with Adidas and one of our old co-hosts moved to Adidas. So when that job came up, he put pitched me for it. And then I was like, oh, so who's the star? Because I was like, I have school. I don't know if I can do it. And they're like, we can't say it. And at first they said she was like, and I was like, who's that? I was like, I don't even know who the star is. I was like, I'll think about it. And then I Googled it and I was like, it's Kendall Jenner. <laughs> and I was like, I'll do it, I'll do it. So did you have one-on-one time with her or was it? Oh, that that was a bit of like a crazy thing. She was really on time. She was super chill, but I think she just had a lot of media trouble that day. People going off script, not interviewing her with the questions, asking her about mm. boyfriends. So like, obviously you would get annoyed. Like her PR team was annoyed. And the previous star that was meant to perform before her was like a 30 minute delay. So then her like 10, 15 minute interview turned into like two minutes and turned into me being like, did you have Shaolong Ball? And then, <laughs> and then she had to leave. It was literally like 30 seconds, high bye. <laughs> It sounds like you like these radio gigs, they open up so many opportunities yeah. for you as well. Is there anything that you've wanted to do in China that you've always kind of wanted to pursue as well? Or? I used to really want to work at MTV because I really like music, but I don't think their presence is that big in China anymore. But I really wanted to do, I really wanted to be the Asia, like China girl for like E! News Entertainment because they have this beautiful girl doing it at the moment. When when will you retire? <laughs> Just waiting. You're, for you're doing retire. amazing. She had a baby recently, so I'm like, <laughs> um, and also like any of the fashion TV things, just coverage. Like if an international film came over, like red carpet coverage, but it had to be part of like Entertainment Tonight or E News or something. So I would love to do something like that. Was your job opportunities quite big in Shanghai, or did you kind of have to kind of take what you could get as well? For hosting, it was quite big. Um, for acting, another story. But for hosting, at the start, I felt like I kind of had to take what I got. And like I felt like I had to take a really, really big pay cut because I was like, oh, I'm not a professional. My Chinese isn't that good. So I would talk myself down. And it wasn't until kind of the third year where I got to start picking and choosing. And then I was like, this is my rate. Take it or leave it. And then they'll always try to undercut you. And then I'm like, okay, I'm not doing it. And then they'll come back a day later. They're like, "Mm, our client said we can give it to you now. And I was like, (laughs) I knew your client always had the budget, but you just wanted to skim off me. Yeah, I love it when people come crawling back. (laughs) And you're also doing a bit of, um, I read you're doing a bit of a kid's show as well. What was that like? Yeah, so that was presenting. So I got that through the radio station and it was like a kid's music show, but it was predominantly Chinese music. So I had no idea what was going on. I could barely read Chinese. So I felt really bad for the other co-hosts because they always had to feed me lines and there was a rolling screen in the front, but I could never really see what it said. So I was literally just kind of like ad-libbing what was going on. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know that artist. That sounded great. Let's go into the next one. But it was good for like TV presenting like opportunity. Because you shot like eight episodes like a day. Oh, my gosh. It was so – and I always had to lie to school and be like, oh, my gosh, my passport expired. I have to go because we weren't allowed to take any days off school. Um, sometimes we would shoot 14 episodes a day. Oh so gosh. we would shoot twice a month and the show was, was on every single night. What kind of lines did they give you? Like if you had to translate to English, what would the lines be like? It was like Ling Junjie or whatever has a new song. This is the MV. Um, recently he performed at like this awards show and then he was pictured with this person and then this song has like something like undertones and there's like a bit of saxophone in it. It's just like really like did not know what was going on. <laughs> are, you, are you a big 
like Chinese pop culture girl. No, so that's why it was hard because I had no idea who these people were. And I was reading the script. I was like, is this a boy or a girl? And I had to like do all this homework and listen to the music first. Mm. Is it what was the biggest Chinese star that was on the show? There weren't none of them were ever on the show. Uh, I think we got like groups in, like you know those boy bands, girl bands. I don't remember them, and I think there's probably new ones out by now because there's like a fifty bunch of new bands out every year. Because there's, there's, there's probably like heaps of like pop bands coming out in China now because like they're coming so mainstream. Yeah, they're kind of trying to do the, like the K-pop thing. Basically, to be an actor now, you kind of have to be part of one of those bands first, which is kind of why I left China because I didn't want to do one of the bands. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's quite strange because looking at the big TV show from China, Media Garden, mm-hmm. all of them came from a big sing Korean background yeah. as well. Yeah. So you know, coming from that, you would never go down that kind of musical route or to get in or. No, I was just never super interested in it when I was younger, and I don't think that's what my focus is because you're gonna have to sell yourself for like five years to that and kind of stick to it, and you might not even make it onto the stage, and that's time when I could have been doing something else. Like it almost sounds a bit like. Too contracted and stiff for me, and it's just not something that I want to do. Like my agents in China made me audition for a couple, and they asked me like, "Do you have dance experience?" I was like, "Yeah, I like trained in ballet for like twelve years, did tap jazz." And they're like, "Can you do this dance?" And sent me like a K-pop video, and I was like, "No, I have not." And they're like, "Oh, so you don't have any dance experience?" And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> is there is there any pressure to be a certain type of like celebrity in China? Like, do you get do you get any pressures from from like people from China, people in the industry? I mean, not maybe like a certain type, but you just have to really be careful of what you say, what you do, what you post, um, because you have keyboard warriors everywhere. But because China has so many people, your career will die mm. in one second, which is why I've never really wanted to do reality TV because you never know how the producer is going to edit you or portray. Just look at Bachelor. Oh, <laughs> look at Blasted. Like I don't want my career to die and have everyone hate me before I even get a chance to show them what I actually wanted to do. Mm. So, so have you ever done anything that that's been like? trolled by the Chinese keyboard warriors? Oh, I don't know. I, I've done like a few like internet shows, but I haven't completely watched them. But I know a couple of those shows have a lot of hate comments. Um, not not all of them were directed at me, gladly. But like, I just try not to read in. Like, I can't really understand half of it anyway. What's the worst one you've read about yourself? Oh, oh like I remember now. Of- you've dug up this deep <laughs> thing that I pushed down. So when I was in Australia filming something, um, so the morning show people kind of got fired. I don't know if I'm allowed to tell anyone this, but I don't work there anymore. <laughs> um, so they were like, we need you to take over the morning show. And it's not three hours anymore. It's four hours. And it's just you by yourself. And I was like okay and then when all the hosts left so anytime there's a host shift you get all the fans coming in hating on everyone so I had people that liked me but when I changed shows all these people came in like go back to Australia and when Chinese people like hate you they really hate you they hate your whole family well, the Chinese keyboard warriors are yeah. the worst like I have to say they're the worst they were like you should die like you and your family should die and I was like oh my god like I'm just trying to do a job I was like I didn't want to do this four hours either but please bear with me and I had to constantly go on Weibo and be like guys like sorry about the show content at the moment the quality like I'm waiting for people to come back I'm waiting for new segments to come in and then every day I was like crying to the boss I was like you can't do this on me I was like you just lay everything on me like give me one of the boy co-hosts back and they're like mm, they're not coming back I was like what am I supposed to do by myself for four hours but why, why are they listening to you for four hours if they don't want to listen to you that, that, that <laughs> is the question for all haters if you don't like someone why do you keep watching them just to aggravate yourself more <laughs> We have more of Jenny's out coming up, but first, here's a word from today's sponsor. So, so you worked you worked at the radio station for five years, uh, right? Yeah, like five and a half, I think. Five yeah. years. What was, it, what was it like in your last day to like 
to move on from that. So the radio didn't really have the budget anymore and they wanted to move in a kind of different-ish direction. So me and like the other few girls that spoke a lot more English in their shows, we all got scrapped. But I literally got a WeChat message that was like, your show is not on anymore. And I was like, okay, so is everyone's show not on anymore? They're like, just your show and this person and that person's. And I was like, okay. And then like, we're not going to pay for this month either because we don't have the budget anymore because there was a huge budget cut. Like I think entertainment industry is a bit, like suffering a bit this year. Like I know a lot of my friends who've lost their job this year. So it was a really down time. So yeah, I was kind of pushed out of it. But for the previous few years, I was thinking like, maybe I should start my own podcast. Maybe I should do it with my friend who left the radio station. So it's always been in the back of my mind. And then at the start of the year, kind of forced me to take the next step. But I was glad because I always say like, you can't work somewhere for that long. If it's a retail job, I always say don't stay there for more than two years because then you get sucked in, you get too comfortable. If it's a career job, I wouldn't stay there for longer than five years. Like I definitely hit my mark and my show wasn't improving and I wasn't improving and the whole station just felt super stagnant to me. Like it lost direction. Mm, so it felt like it was time to move on. Definitely time. It was overdue, yeah. Mm. Did it help you get land that role on playing um, a character from Netflix or? No, so that was actually from my Australian agent. Uh, so like yeah so that was actually auditioned for australia and then i went back to australia to do it but it was like a chinese co-production yeah oh this was the chosen one yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and what was it like because when did you start doing pilots in la so that was this year i've always wanted to go um but things would put me off like i don't have a visa i don't have an agent and then i'm just really lazy so i was just like you know what i'm stuck here i might as well just send out emails and i emailed i think 85 agents got like five replies and then i was going to la for a wedding anyway with my mom so i was like let's see if i can get any meetings went to a few meetings and then went back from more meetings and i was like i'm gonna do it without a visa like even if i don't have an agent thank god i got one and then i just went for it so you went to la and then you had a housemate who was also a canadian yeah, actress. yeah, yeah, yeah. cbc yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so did you, how did you guys meet like on instagram on instagram <laughs> yeah she messaged me something about shanghai theater academy because she was thinking of going and then um she's like i'm going to la like next week and i was like me too and she's like do you have anywhere to live and i was like no and we were like should we live together and i was like what if you're a murderer <laughs> like we got along really well yeah is there like a community of like up-and-coming Asian oh, there, actors and actresses? There definitely is, and there's a lot of meetups and events, which is really good, but it's, I find it, like, quite clicky. Well, in the nicest way possible. They're nice people, but it's, like, hard to go in. Mm. It's even, like, Wong Fu. Like, they use a certain group of actors, and yeah. to get into that will be so difficult. Um, but once you're in, you literally know everyone. It's like the vein connects everywhere. You can know one person, and then you'll know, like, Henry Golding or something, yeah. So, so you are in LA for how long? Three months. Three months, and what was that experience like? I was only planning to go for one month, but then things kind of dragged on a little. Uh, I got so many auditions there. Well, maybe not so many compared to other people, but I was used to getting like two auditions a year in China, three auditions a year from Australia, and I would get three a week on a good week, but at least one every single week. And they all wanted Asian people, and I could go for non-Asian roles as well, but they ended up casting an Asian, which is insane. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Do you reckon it's because of Crazy Rich Asians? Definitely. And like Mulan. <laughs> Every TV show had one African-American character usually as like the supporting boyfriend role or the supporting best friend, and the Asian girl was always like the best friend role as well. Which, like, I can't ask for more, but I was like, I thought it was amazing. It sounds like the diversity high in America is so much better than Australia. Yes. <laughs> like, the first pilot that I auditioned for was Nancy Drew, and it was being made by the Riverdale people for CW. And I read the books, and there was this character in it that I was like, this is not a Chinese character. And they actually changed the last name to become an Asian last name. So I was like, wow, they're really committing to this. That's good. I think because they're seeing, like, you know, once Asian people see, or even not even Asian people, just people who are people of colour, right? There's so many of yeah, us. And yeah, and, like, if you see yourself on, on TV, you're going to be suddenly more interested in watching. Yeah. You know? Well, even if I was standing at Flinders Street Station the other day waiting for a friend and I was like, I can see three white people right now. 
And then you watch Australian TV and there's like one person of colour, kind of. But then I was like, this is not like, this is why I feel weird sometimes when I watch TV because I was like, this isn't what yeah. Australia Let's like. not talk about The Bachelor because like The Bachelor. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so how do you prepare for audition? Because you, you know, you've done so many now. Yeah. Like, how do you prepare for a character? I've tried many <laughs> different ways. For I used to well, just sit there like memorising everything to death, but that was kind of bad because it was just me repeating the same lines in my head and I repeat them the same way every time. Because sometimes you get into the room and the director's like, actually, we want you to be angry. And I'm like, oh, but I've been like memorising this as a sweet girl. <laughs> so they'll get you to change all the time. So I've tried to stop doing that. So I'll just kind of deadpan, memorise it, and then prepare a few different ways. And I also like to wear what I'm going to wear in the audition so I can feel comfortable, mm. so I don't wear a jacket and I'm like, oh, I suddenly can't move my arms. I used to do that for um, VC exams. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that's smart, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Always make sure you eat something as well. Otherwise, you just get a bit, like, loopy. Mm. Um, I used to record myself and then listen to it, but I think sometimes it can throw you off. But if it's an American accent, if I have time, I will record myself and pick out the parts where the accent fell through. Um, if I have time and money, might have a one-on-one coaching session, which helps so much because the person who's reading the lines back to you is also an actor. So, like... I have amazing friends who read for me, but sometimes they're like, oh my God, wow, what happened? And, like, and then I have to like freak out in the other end. I'm like, just, just give me a little bit more. <laughs> Would you say as, like, um, as an actress, does that take a lot of... Because I know when I watch a lot of interviews of people who do act, they say it takes a lot of... Like, you need time to recover afterwards as well after you play a certain role. Or? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even consider myself an actress, but uh, I'm, try- an actress. I'm trying to be. <laughs> You've been in, like, four four or five films now. How- of course you're an actress now. <laughs> no one's really watched them. No, anyway, no, no, we, we watched... We, we, we watched, watched Okay, we watched The Real, but, like... <laughs> um, but, like, better say, like... Cause we're in, we're in, no, locked in an interview, like, yeah. early last... Like, late last week, yeah, so we haven't yeah. had time to sit down. But we're actually going to go and sit and watch your oh, show. Don't, and don't. There's so many embarrassing ones. You oh, are very you. impressive. I, I always watch it and like sc- I like I scream every time I watch myself. I'm just like, ah, <laughs> um, what was the question? What kind of character did you like playing the most? Do you um, like playing the bitchy character or No. I, I think I would my dream character would be like the quirky friend. And this is what I told my agents when I had agents in China. And then they're like, mm, but you're not fat enough or like ugly enough to be the quirky friend, but you're not pretty enough to be the lead girl either. So I was like, so what do you want me to do? Like <laughs> So that would be my my favorite. I like being ugly, like I like being weird. Do you yeah. want to do, do the whole thing where you take off your glasses and like transformation? Oh, <laughs> become beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I know it's like very hard for me to be like the nice girl and like to be bitchy as well. I kind of just go like a bit like kind of regular bitchy, like nothing of substance. Yeah, I don't feel like I can offer as much in the bitchy sense. Mm-hmm. And what was like um working and chosen with someone who's actually quite established, like Blue? Yeah, and um Jia Jia as well. She's on a really good Chinese TV show. Um. I was kind of daunting at the start because the first table read we had and when we met everyone, they came with like their entourage and it was like a team of like five people and then the rest of us were just like, like, well, we're just like, you know, (laughs) regular Australian actors and we're like, oh my God, like who are these people? We got the agent, we got the assistant, we got the friend, we got the manager. Um, But they were actually so nice and down to earth. I remember one time I was like marching around like really angry and sick because I was so hungry, like you're always hungry and then Blue was eating a packet of chips and I just stood there like watching him and he was like, do you want some? And I was like, yes. And then he gave me the whole packet. And then I was like, oh, so nice. Thank you. And then I bought him a cupcake the next, the next day. But he's like very like deadpan face. So I thought he hated me, but he's really nice. That's yeah. It. Have you ever been starstruck by anyone? Um, I think oh, you always think you're going to be like really flabbergasted in Star Trek. I think I thought I would be like besides myself when I saw Kendall, but it was just kind of like I was in work mode. So I was like, hi, I'm here to interview you. Like my name's Jenny. Yeah. Not even Kendall Jenner. 
I was, but like, <laughs> it, it wasn't until after the yeah. event happened, I was like, I just did that. But during the event, I was like super focused. I was kind of just like letting everything slide over me. Yeah. Mm. Has there ever been a moment where you're like, you felt like this whole thing has been, it's too hard that you wanted to give up? Yeah. Like before on the bus on the way here, like every <laughs> single day, I remember I had a breakdown like a month ago. My boyfriend's like, why are you crying again? I was like, I think I need to stop trying to be an actor. And he's like, why? And I was just like, I just can't get any jobs. I was like, how many more auditions will I have to go through? It's just like every day. Mm. Yeah. Do you want to, are you going to keep continue working in Melbourne or LA, um, China? Well, I'm trying to like kind of enter into the Australian scene at the moment because I haven't been back for five years. It's kind of like re-entering, but it just feels like I'm starting again, which kind of sucks because I had to start again in China. I had to start again in LA. But I think I just have to have a, like as many avenues open as possible and maybe one of them will pick up. So I'll go back to LA maybe like twice a year for auditions and I want to be based in Melbourne now because I don't know. I don't think the Chinese industry is for me and I don't think it's time for someone like me over there as well. But like I'm still open to trying. Why, why do you say they're not ready for you? <laughs> they're not ready for <laughs> No, it's just like if they want someone who speaks English in a film, they usually go with an already established actor mm. or they'll even dub it. So because it increases their international profile so they can do stuff overseas, they'll never get an actual ABC to do like an ABC role. I read the other day that apparently Hollywood films mm. are getting a lot of Chinese actors yeah. and actresses because to get into shit, get your film shown in China, you have to have an actress or an actor from China. Yeah. So they would, they would never hire like an actual ABC. They'd only hire like a yeah. like a local Chinese. Well, even when you look at like the opening credits for a lot of Hollywood films, they're done by like Huayi Brothers or Wanda Productions, which is just like huge production. And then you'll see like an Asian pop on the screen and you're like, I know who put that in. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite weird because even though cast someone from China to play an American role, for me watching it, yeah, it just feels so weird because it's so not organic. Like yeah. you can tell the person didn't grow up from America, yeah. they didn't come from Australia, didn't have a Western background. So it's a bit unfortunate that, you know, when they do cast these movies, it's not, there's no lack of that yeah. substance. Yeah. I actually auditioned for a show, like the last audition I had in LA and they were looking, it was, she was meant to be like a girl from China who moved to America, but I think within the first two years, but they wanted someone with fluent English. Then we all went to audition for like all my Asian friends. Thought we went super well. I felt like it was the audition of my life. I was like, this is the perfect role. Never think that. Um, and then a month later, everyone was emailing at me in China because they were casting worldwide in China. But I was told that they didn't want to cast anyone non-American because the visa issue was too tight and like they were filming within the month. And I was like, so is it easier to give someone from China the visa? Because I think it would be slightly easier for like someone from Canada or Australia. And then they ended up casting an already well-known Chinese actor. Uh, and I she see. was like not the age range and like not how they were described in the book and I was like okay but like at least they cast like a Chinese person because it was meant to be like a Chinese role so win-win lose-lose kind of yeah, yeah that's good you talk about you know on your YouTube channel that mm. you do a lot of what do you call it? like open online auditions oh yeah, yeah 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 yeah. has that helped you with anything because you've done like a lot of you said that you can apply for auditions online so you can oh, yeah. submit them your reel submit them like an audition tape yeah is it, do you find it's a lot easier to, to get, you know, auditions that way? Or do they kind of prefer you more in person to fly in to see them, what you're like? Oh, you mean like self-tapes? Yeah. And stuff? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I think for this day and age, there's self-tapes everywhere. Like even China does it now. Um, and because a lot of American projects are being filmed in Australia, like there's a big Asian one coming out called Mortal Kombat being filmed in Australia. And it's cast in Australia by cast, Australian casting. But I had to do a t tape for that as well, even though I'm from Australia. It's just easier because a lot of casting directors used to have offices in Melbourne, but now they've all kind of gone back to Sydney. And they used to do the rounds where they do each city like every day, but it's just tiring. And if you can 
don't get a tape in, I think it's just easier. Um, but it does give you a lot more opportunities. Like I've gotten to audition for like a bunch of like really cool shows that I wouldn't have been able to because I had to be there in person or something. So I can be in LA the same time I'm in Melbourne and I can be in Melbourne when I'm in LA, which is good. Mm. Do you think you want to come back to Melbourne because you miss your family? I was, uh, I was thinking about it because I was in Shanghai for almost six years and I think it was time for me to move on. I do love Shanghai. But as I stated earlier, I grew up watching Western media and I feel like I wouldn't feel that sense of accomplishment until I was back in my home country and I succeeded in my home country. Like it's not, I don't know, it might be whitewashed of me, but you know what I mean? Like I, everything that I've done in China, I haven't really felt proud of myself like I've never had a moment where I was like wow that was amazing I'm really proud of myself really? you've yeah. done so much in China I don't know it's just like this I think you're harsh on yourself uh, yeah I'm pretty harsh I think like looking from like an outsider's perspective or maybe a question so you can't see that how much you've actually chipped away yeah. but for you to be an ABC going to China hosting a radio station in three dialects yeah. that's impressive thank you I don't know I just, sometimes I'm like half embarrassed and then I'm like half disappointed in myself because it's like I told everyone was moving to China to pursue acting and then I came back as like a radio host presenter, which is nothing wrong, which is still amazing. And I felt like I kind of failed myself and I'm not where I thought I was going to be at this age. I'm like halfway to 50. This is not going great. <laughs> Look at um, Taraji from Empire. Yeah, oh, yeah. Taraji, she won her first yeah. em- um, Emmys. How old was she? I think she was like 40s or 50s. I think 50, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it takes years and years. It does. And so I think you're on the right path. Hopefully. I think like, you know, like hosting like radio gigs and stuff, like – that's compliment to like yeah it does yeah and, and you know and like a lot of people find their way to different a lot careers. of actors host yeah. now like Henry, Henry Golding he started on like in Malaysia yeah he's presenter as well yeah 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 so like yeah I think you're just harsh on yourself <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So what's your game plan for Melbourne then? So because you said you want to be based in Melbourne yeah and you also said that you know it's really hard to get jobs and roles in in australia it's actually a lot better now Mm. um because if you look at a lot of tv shows there's always one or two people of color um and there's some shows that have a lot like we had the family law which was all asian and we have like hungry ghosts coming out soon which is all i think vietnamese australian so it's really really good but unfortunately i wasn't here when they were casting a lot of those shows so i kind of missed out but i got a new agent um can I say upgraded? <laughs> um, she's in Sydney, which is okay. So I always said I'd fly up for a really good audition, but she's messaged a lot of the casting directors in Melbourne to kind of like reintroduce me to a lot of people. So I feel like I'm finally doing something about my want-to-be career in Melbourne. Yeah, and she – so my American manager recommended me to her and then I met up with a bunch of agents and then I ended up choosing her. Because a lot of Australian agencies, a lot of small ones, like not so great ones, and then anything slightly better, it's like by imitation only or they're like, don't send your resume to us. And I'm like, well, how are you going to meet me? So I was really lucky my American agent could reach out to them. Would you say the competition in Australia to land these roles is a lot more easier than LA or...? I think it's harder because there's a lot less because there's just a lot less being made here. Um, And there's probably like a group of like five Asian Australian girls who are constantly working and then every time there's a role for an Asian Australian then all of us would go up for it you know what I mean and then Uh, yeah yes that makes sense so how do you juggle you know working in media and also a relationship with your boyfriend Oh, Do you I'm find like, it difficult? And you, and is he based in Melbourne? Yeah, yeah he's, so I'm, he was in Hong Kong and then he came back to Melbourne. Um, I don't know. It's 
pretty chill. Like, I'm really glad he's never told me to, like, you know, like, get a real job or whatever. Um, I've always wanted to date someone who was kind of more stable because I was like, I'm not going to be stable, so you need to have a stable <laughs> income. What does he do? Um, so he works in real estate and he uses commercial real estate. So, like, I didn't really understand it at the start, but I kind of get it now. But he's really, really supportive, watches, like, all the stuff. And then when I record stuff, um, he's actually helped me do, like, self-tapes before. He turns into, like, director mode. He's like, did you want to be a bitch there? And I was like, <laughs> no. He's like, well, you sounded like a bitch. And I was like, oh, well, should I sound nice? He's like, maybe say it in, like, this way. So it's, like, it's good. Um, it does make me stressed out, though, because I, like, I don't let him see or, like, work with anything to do with media. Like, if it's a YouTube video, I, like, never let him watch it. If it's, like, a podcast, like, I never really let him listen Why to it that? either. Is it because... I don't know. I think I just like to keep it a bit more separate. And like on in radio in China and even on my podcast in China now, I never mention him. Like I just wanted to keep it a bit more like private and separate. Mm. Yeah. Did you guys meet in Melbourne or? Yes, we met at Scarlet Saturday. Yes, so um he's my friend's friend. Then they introed and they're like, Oh, our friend wants to move to Hong Kong, maybe you can tell him stuff about like Asia and we chatted and then I saw him a few more times before he went and then like long distance for like Two and a half years, I guess, and then now we're reunited. Mm, wow, good. that must have been tough doing longest for that long. Or? It was actually pretty chill, I think, because I was single for like three years, and he's quite an independent person. But we saw each other twice a month, which is like really good because I would fly up once, he would fly up once, so it's pretty chill. Yeah. Wow, that means like, would you say because moving to China, mm. I know that things in China are quite expensive nowadays. Mm-mm. Not as expensive <laughs> as Melbourne. No, no, no. I always feel richer in China. Like I could have the same amount of money, but in China, like. I just feel so much richer. I don't know if it's because the currency is like bigger. If it's like 100 RMB, I'm like, take it. I was like, whatever. The, yeah. the only expensive part of Shanghai is accommodation, right? Yeah. Because well, food's not that bad. Food's so cheap. Like yeah. I can I can spend $20 on a whole day of like food delivered. And like on like this app called Ulama, which is like the Chinese Uber Eats, it'll be like, spend 40 and then we'll give you 20 back and then delivery will be free. And then I'm like, so you'll end up getting like three boxes of dumplings and like a packet of noodles for like $2 Australian. You know what I mean? And in Australia, you order like, a smoothie and it's like $15. <laughs> That's true. Wow. Actually, I didn't realize how much people would make in China because I still have this concept in my head that China's kind of like a, a developing country. But I think because I haven't been to China myself, Philip's been to China yeah. and he's telling me all the stories that when he goes to China, it's so different. Oh, like well, you're in your own the bubble. They have ads on the trains where it's like, it's so advanced. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so advanced. Like, the only thing that's not advanced is like banking and like connecting your internet because everything's done by paperwork and you mm-hmm. lose that, you're gone. But everything is crazy. Like I come back to Australia and like a lot of people who move to Australia, they're like, it's like living in the country. And like sometimes it kind of does feel like I'm like, what, you don't have like 20 minute food delivery. I was like, why does this food delivery take 45 minutes? Like, why is it so slow? Like, why can't I just scan my like Alipay here or something? Yeah. That's true. It's like when I moved to Singapore to work, coming back to Australia, I felt like I went back in time. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like we're in like a snow globe and yeah. we're just kind of like slowly yes. moving around. What yeah. are you going to miss most about working in China? Working China. Well, I get to do presenting stuff there, which I wouldn't get to do here. I think a lot of the presenters here are either like ex-models or current models or influencers. Um, so I would never even be able to get that opportunity unless it was like a Chinese expert or something. But they'd probably hire like a Chinese like local person. Yeah. Well, I think you have, you're going to have no problem. Like you're so talented. Oh, thank and you. you're, you're definitely like me and Thomas had this, this discussion this morning. Well, like if anyone's going to make it, it's going to be you. Because you have so much determination. You, like, you left when you are 19. Like, 
That's bloody amazing. Yeah, you've got the work ethic behind you. Yeah. You're smart. You're pretty. You're talented. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I'm actually really lazy, but like you just have to, you just have to push it. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Thank you for joining us so much. Thank like, you so much for having me. Yeah. Well, you really inspired me. Oh, have we? Especially because you guys, because I heard your stories before, and it's just always great to see like Asians working in media or just not the norm. Because all my friends work in corporate, and it's like, oh, I got a promotion. I got this, and I'm like, well, I'm still unemployed. But congrats. <laughs> no, definitely need more Asian people in the media. Definitely. Yeah. I think when you make it as big as Mel Street, we'll contact you. Again, to another mm-hmm. podcast. Yes, <laughs> you have to promote us when you when you made it. Of course. It. <laughs> so, how, let us. Um, so, how do we find you on Instagram? Um, at Jenny J Zhao Z H O U. And your podcast. My podcast is actually on Shimalaya right now. You can just like search Shimalaya on the App Store, and it's called Shameless Sisters. I'm trying to get it on Apple Podcast. Philip's gonna help me, <laughs> and hopefully we'll have that up and running soon. But it's mostly in Chinese. So, what, if you wanna- what's it about? Um, so we talk about like celebrity gossip. We recommend TV shows, movies, and this we talk about my co-host Bebe's dating life because it's like really exciting and interesting and like full of Tinder, which I've never experienced before. So you're, you're like the Chinese version of us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, true. And you can learn some Mandarin and Shanghainese with it as well. I do need to learn. My Chinese is actually so bad. The, the only way that I learn is that I have a Chinese tutor, oh and I'm just God. watching YouTube videos, and that's it. That's pretty good though, yeah. YouTube videos. That's free tutoring that's right true. there. That's true. So we'll definitely tap into your podcast as well. Thank you. <laughs> well, yeah, thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time. See you thank next you. time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning to us on our Lemon Podcast. Please check us up on our new YouTube channel and if you're enjoying what we're doing, please subscribe to us on Apple iTunes and leave a lovely five-star review. Please follow us on Spotify and also check us up on Acast or whichever platform you're listening to. And feel free to hit us up on our Facebook community, our group and our Instagram. We'll see you back on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Bye-bye.